Welcome to our podcast. Not prod. I can't hear It's pod. I think I think I need to speak language <laughs> with colleges right now. Let's try that one again. Hello, SLPs. Welcome to True Confessions with Lisa and Sarah. Okay, can start confessing now. This is so cheesy. Sarah. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Oh, 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 oh. I don't know who's supposed to go first here. I don't know. I know. I just spent a lot of time with you. We just went to Austin and Tisha. So I don't have to pretend that I don't know what's been going on with you because I know everything. We shared a hotel room. Don't tell anyone. She's very messy. What happens in Austin stays in Austin. Her clothes were everywhere. Her makeup was everywhere. You never want to share a room with Sarah. I'm just kidding. She literally, she was cleaning up my stuff. That is true. I am a huge mess, but you're a mess too. No, 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 never. Yes. Ridiculous. And then we don't let the, have the cleaning people come in. Because we're embarrassed. Because we're embarrassed. And we were there five nights or something. So, you know, when they came in afterwards, they were like, we gave a big tip though. We always know like they got a little mess to clean up. So I know it's not our skill. It's not our strength in life. You know, what is our strength? What? Getting bomb people on this podcast mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we have a guest that's right. in a confessional and we oh the confessional was not that we're messy oh people well, i mean no no okay no. who is in the confessional so today we have dana bryant who was on our slp summit so if any of you were able to catch the courses that we just had in january um dana brought a very different lens because every course we've ever had in the history of summit has been focused on pediatrics yeah. And Dana brought the adult uh, world to our listeners, and it was really a great presentation. But before we go there, let's welcome Dana. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. <laughs> yeah. So for those of um, our audience who maybe did not get a chance to join us for Summit, can you talk just a little bit about who you are, what um, what you do? Absolutely. So my name's Dana and I've been a speech language pathologist for 10 years. I've been practicing for 10 years. Um, I currently work in a brain injury clinic. I work with um, military men and women, active duty, who've had any kind of neurological changes, but primarily um, brain injury. And yeah, that is my passion. Neuro is my passion, hence you know, my Instagram handle, the neuro SLP. Um, and yeah, little known fact, I have done two placements with pediatrics. Um, and so uh, when I was talking in the SLP summit about being able to translate a lot of skills back and forth, it's because I've lived it and I've done it twice. And so I know it's possible. So yeah, I've worked in SNF, I've worked in inpatient rehab, acute care, um, and outpatient peds as well. Well, and I think really your course was about putting the fun in functional, about like just not overlooking the creative, fun, um, meaningful ways that you can work with clients where it doesn't have to be, let me pull off this workbook, which I know we're all guilty of at some point in our career. And even it could be tomorrow. Some days you just get tapped out and you pull a workbook off because you showed up that day and, you know, that is what you grabbed. But I think people get in their heads that it's difficult to be creative. So can you exactly. talk to maybe um, some people like that, that think that maybe I think it's like, I would love to be fun, but maybe that's not my personality or maybe that's not 
my skill set? Yeah. So as you said, my SL, my topic for SLP Summit was unleashing your creativity, right? And as an adult-based SLP, so working with adults, which is not the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about working with adults. I know when I started my Instagram journey, maybe like four years ago, three years ago, I was online looking for other adult SLPs so that I, we could be all be creative together. And I could only find SLPs with pediatrics all the fun stuff. And I was like, this is not fair. Like there has to be other um, SLPs out here that are having fun in their sessions and making it functional and being creative. Like I know it's not just all the fun SLPs go in pediatrics, all the boring ones go. <laughs> go to adults like that case and um so yeah I really am passionate about it because what I find out is that when most people say oh well I hate those workbooks too but time I hate those workbooks too but money you know I hate those workbooks too but data collection yeah huh Data collection, I think too, like I remember I, I did, I, the only time I worked with adults was in my externships yeah. in college. And I had a book called Cognitive Rehab, which I don't even know if it's still around, but it was like all of these lists and all these things I could pull. And I could take the greatest in my mind, the greatest data, because it was what I was doing was very concrete. But when you think of the data that you can take when it's something that's more functional, like whoever goes up to somebody and says, can you name three states for me? Can you tell me three foods that are yellow. I mean, that's not how our lives work. So I think yeah. primarily as a younger clinician, both in school with adults, but then even in the pediatric world, I relied on those really structured therapy activities because it was all I knew. And then once you start to kind of open that door of, wow, but really this is not as hard as I think I thought it was. And it mm-hmm. makes a lot more sense to the individual that you're working with. And it's more fun, not just for them, but for you too then, you know, it releases all of the things that people can do. And I think you're right about the data collection piece. And that takes um, out of the box thinking as well, because it's not always going to be 80% accuracy, 80% accuracy for everything. Sometimes it's, well, how many times, you know, this week did they use their external memory aid? Or um, how many times in this conversation, you know, did they use that word, really good word finding strategy that we talked about that we identified as really helpful for them, right? And so, yes, sometimes I come in, I have like a little clicker or something like that that I'm using in the background to count how many times they do something in the session. Sometimes I'm using self-report because they're reporting a certain number of level of effort. Sometimes I'm looking at the clock and seeing how long it takes them for, to do something. So data can really be anything. It's not always X number of trials over X number of trials. Sometimes it's the length of time. It's the effort. It's um, their comfort level, their confidence, how, how many times they've used something since the last session. You know, so learning how to measure things in different ways is going to be key to data collection. But I think sometimes sometimes we're just so stuck on like, no, percents, percents, percents. Plus minus, plus minus. I had a professor who said not every goal should be, um, will get X percent correct. And, And I remember being like, 
what, what else do you what, do? What, yeah. What's my other options? <laughs> I didn't realize I had other choices here, but it's because we tend to do that. Like, you know, the, the student will produce whatever sound with 80% accuracy, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's just how we kind of learn to write those goals and then we get trapped by them. Mm-hmm. But it is, I mean, obviously the goals have to be objective and measurable. Um, and so I'm sure that though takes, again, some creativity when you're working in that setting targeting that skill, um, but, and do, but being able to do it in a fun way. Like I, I know, I think that's what we all struggle with. Yes. And I'm glad you said targeting that skill. Cause I stress that a lot because sometimes we do get caught up in like the goal, the goal, the goal, well, the goal is just the, the skin of the skill, <laughs> like for, if you will. So targeting that skill, but you don't have to do this all alone. That's the beauty sometimes in working with adults is that they know what they were like before. They have insight, right? You have a whole community. They have daughters and sons and aunts and uncles and family members and coworkers and so many people. So you collaborate on goal setting. I feel like that's a that was a big shift going back and forth from like pediatrics to adults was that, oh, I got to sit here and like, write their goal, right? Like they have no input, therefore (laughs) they're, they're sick. They're depending on me. So I have to write a good goal. Whereas I do my best goal writing with my patients. And that's why, like, I love working in my setting is because we can have a whole session sometimes just doing collaborative goal setting, or they can have homework where they come in with things that they want to get back to doing. And so literally goal writing becomes easier, right? And so I think that's so beautiful. It takes the hard work, the pressure off because this is their goal. It's not a goal I created for them on their own, on my own. Love that so much. I have to say, I I would, again, like Lisa said, when we uh, plan to do this presentation for summit, you know, uh, we wanted to get some different perspectives and things. And, and I could, I loved the chat because people were just like, you know, like, oh, I've always wanted to tr- work with adults. And this is like actually getting me excited because it feels very much like what I try to do with my students. I do mm-hmm. think we have a lot of uh, ability to be creative and fun. We're working with kids. Like if I'm boring and awful to work with, I'm not going to get very far with these children. I used to literally walk into the preschool room and felt like a rock star because the <laughs> yeah. kids would be like, oh my God, Mrs. B is here. You know, and I'm like, yes, I am. Jazz hands. <laughs> um, and so I could see that this engaged their thinking of, okay, maybe I could do this then, you know, yeah. with adults. But the prospect is scary when it's so like it's not again, like I haven't done it since my externship in college. I wouldn't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that in itself makes me think I could do this because I can talk to people and talk to them about. What did you used to enjoy? Where do you want to get? You know, what is it that you're most, you know, anxious to, you know, um, get to? And I, okay, I like this. Well, I think everybody thinks working with adults is like working with trikes and vents and in acute care and that, and that is obviously a part of it, but my externship in a hospital I did was all about cognitive rehab. So they were post-acute and it was fun because you are doing these activities and the growth you see too with, you know, especially if somebody had, um, had a stroke and then they had that short, you know, those, those big gains in a short amount of time, which you don't see that typically with kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, 
you're, you're working with, you know, adults that have had an intact language system that then had some sort of trauma yes. that you're then trying to, you know, forge new pathways to get back to where they are versus kids. They're coming at they, you. They never had the skills. Where they, yeah. they have, right. They've never developed that. So it's not that like, I think it's with anything else. We talk a lot about find your, where, uh, if you're not excited in your current position, you've got so many options in this field. I think for me, it was an aha of kind of like, oh, but I didn't even think about like, yes, I did have a love for that cognitive rehab and all you had at one point had asked people to put in suggestions yeah. of what are fun ways you could get creative in treatment and, um, are not even just fun. I, I keep saying the word fun, but it's Great. creative. So you're not using a workbook. And did you get a chance yet to see the chat and like, look at all of the things that people are throwing out there? Yeah. Some things I would have never thought of. And I think this is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I loved even like some of them were like dating apps and, um, uh, what was some like, Oh, the, I loved when you did the case study about somebody who was there, she was going to have be a grandma, right? There was a, um, a, one of her children was having a baby. And so some of the suggestions were like, help her plan the bridal sh or the baby shower. And like all of that, like just stuff that's happening in her life right now. Yeah. And what an amazing opportunity that is to work on so many skills, but in like a really interesting way. Yes, because you have to think, okay, they're adults. I'm an adult. I have roles. I have responsibilities. I got a house. I got a car. I got bills. I got, you know, family. So it's like their network is so large. The possibilities really are endless. In the case study, yeah, I talked about she's remodeling her house. She used to be an ICU nurse. She's about to be a grandma. Like I talked about those things because they're real life stuff, right? She said, oh, I'm I'm not that tech savvy, but I, I mean, I guess I could learn. This is, these are the kind of things when you're getting to know the person, right? And that puts the person in person-centered care because it matters. Everything starts to matter. What, what did they do beforehand? What were their, their career industry? You know, are they married? Are they single? Are they dating? Do they have kids? Where do they live? What are their hobbies? Who are their friend groups? Do they use social media? Do they cook? You know, do they used to be in a book club? Like you can start to incorporate so things, which is why it's like, oh man, it may sound, seem like you have to take a lot of time and energy and money, but they literally are going to tell you what they used to do, or you're going to be able to find it out and they can bring stuff in for free. Right. right? Yeah. I was going to say, how long do you take to prep then? Like, so, you know, all of these things now you've gotten this information. <laughs> okay. For those that cannot you didn't see, see Dana mouth, uh, I don't her, prep. Yeah. She says, I don't prep. <laughs> I loved what prep? Fantastic. Because you've got enough information. And again, you know, that she used to be an avid uh, baker. And mm -hmm. so you're going to be able to, you can wing that pretty yeah. quick. I okay. have a, I have collections of things, right? I have books on sports cars or baking or jewelry making. I have a YouTube playlist of like a million and one things, no matter what you're interested in. I have TED Talks. I have podcasts, right? I have a lot of things just like at my disposal in case they're interested in this kind of thing, in case they just so happen to be a nurse, in case they just so happen to, use to be a pilot. But that's because I've been working with these populations for years. And so I don't like get rid of, when I see something, I'm like, this is a cool activity if I ever 
have another left hemisphere stroke who loves, you know, like blank, blank, blank. I'm going to use it. And so I kind of keep that stuff in mind, but also I allow flexibility in the session, right? Because when the patient comes in, maybe they don't feel like working on, on one of their goals. Maybe they feel like working on another one. Right. Or maybe they're like, hey, I got this assignment due and it's killing me or I'm supposed to write a letter to some, you know, my professor about this. And I'm like, yes, let's do that. It changes the whole game. So what I had planned doesn't even matter anymore. Throw it out. Yeah. Because yeah. now we're going to use a functional activity that is relevant to you, that matters. Right. And we're going to use the skills that we've been honing all along to do the thing. So you're going to see that it works. The strategies work. The skills are better, right? I'm going to yeah. give you real-time feedback. I imagine that your um, patients love this as, you know, and when they get to know you and they look at you as a source of support for, you know, figuring out um, how to do lots of things. Where do you start though with somebody new? Like, you have somebody on your caseload that was just assigned to you. What's a, how do you start to develop that rapport and dig into what their interests are and give them some buy-in for this process, this journey you're going to go on with them? Yeah, I think it's different depending on if you're outpatient, inpatient rehab. I feel like it's different. So I don't want to assume everybody's like outpatient therapy. I also want to preface that a lot of mines are mild, mild to moderate CBI. And so um even though and even though um their insight might be really good, their awareness and things like that, they can kind of give me a lot, right? To work with. And I understand that not everybody's case so it might be like that. And so you may have to um, start with uh family intake, getting to know the nursing staff, who are their visitors, what do they have around their room if they're in like in a sniff or something like that, you know, what are the activities that they go to most and things like that. You may have to start somewhere <laughs> if you can't get that from them. Um, but I look also to my colleagues, have they started working with PT and OT already? What can I, you know, can, do they have any insight for me? Oh, they love pretzels and they love the Dodgers. Okay. I'm, you know, like, let me start there. <laughs> um, and so just kind of genuinely introducing yourself as a person and allowing them to be a person, like they're a patient all the time, but how often are people coming up to them and really treating them like a person, right? And so I really like to start there. And I love patient reported outcome measures. Like I love them also called self-report outcome measures. I do them with almost every assessment that I've ever given. And even if the patient can't fill it out, I try to get a family member, a coworker, a friend or someone else to fill it out. And that literally, it feels like cheating sometimes because the information you get is so juicy. Like what does it'll it look like, like yeah, what kinds of questions? Cause like. this is very new for us, yeah. obviously. And probably yeah. for some of our listeners too. Yeah, so uh, one of my favorite ones is called the Multifactorial Memory Questionnaire. It's completely free. You can type it in Google and type in PDF and it'll come right up. 
Um, but it's a three-part questionnaire. And one of them is like your satisfaction with your memory. So you're asking them like, how satisfied are you? And they're rating how satisfied they are with their ability to remember things, names, numbers, you know, all this stuff. And then another part is asking like what their what their most frequent memory mistakes are. So they might say, oh, I lose my keys all the time. I forget to feed the dog. You know, I oh, can never get <laughs> in my computer. I forget my wife's birthday. Like they're, you're getting a glimpse into their life a little bit. And then the last one asks about memory strategies, right? So like, what are you using? Do you use timers and alarms? Do you use sticky notes? Do you have a calendar? Do you um, ever remember things in your head by reciting them? Do you ever create a picture in your head? Do you group like items? You know, do you make associations? So you're starting to tap into what they're doing, what they're not doing, what might work, <laughs> you know, because sometimes it could be an easy thing where you're like, you know what, you just don't have any systems. You don't have any you know, like any, anything. <laughs> supports in place, yeah. yeah. And so sometimes I could work with a patient for like three sessions, sometimes four sessions. And if I can optimize and help them streamline their external memory aids, they'll be like, oh, I haven't lost my keys in four weeks. Oh, I, the dog gets fed every day. Oh, you know, like I'm remembering to unload the dishwasher. And so we're like, yes, we found something for you right? It won't be for everybody, but we found a system for you. And for some reason, some SLPs think this is not therapy, right? <laughs> and it's like, because it's not plus and minus necessarily. But again, going back to even what Sarah's professor said that, you know, some of your best data, some of the best work you do does yeah. not, is not reliant on plus so and that, minuses. In that case, it could be a frequency thing. How yeah. often last month did you lose your keys yes. versus this month? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And that's your data right there. Right. And it was something meaningful that was distressing to them, either costing them money or costing them time or costing them a quality of a relationship or something like that. And insurance loves it because they don't want to, you know, keep paying. So they're like, get them in, get them out. <laughs> don't yes. make it come back. Right. <laughs> is memory one of the, the biggest things that you work on then? It is. It definitely is. I say memory, um, language. I do work on motor speech, um, but memory, attention, executive functioning. I do a lot of that. And I'm uh, very fortunate to work with a group of some amazing people. I, I have neuropsychologists on my team. I have uh, art therapy, music therapy, I have OTPT. And so it's very multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary. And um, a lot of times it's holistic because even something as simple as the doctor telling them about, hey, we really need to heal your gut. These are the full foods that you need to eat versus not eating. Well, somebody with memory issues, how they're supposed to remember that, right? Or the PT saying, here are your precautions or here are your exercises. I want you to be able to, you know, do these six times a day or something like that. Or remember your posture so that this doesn't aggravate this or something like that. Well, now here I come saying, I heard that you're supposed to be remembering this. <laughs> 
are remembering this about your posture. How can we set up a visual cue or what could be a reminder for you? So we're actually putting things in practice, right? It's really beautiful when it all comes together. Amazing. I'm a, I actually said at the end of your um, presentation, I think I made a comment that I said, well, I'm leaving uh, <laughs> my current job. And, and I said, no, you're not. And Lisa said, no, you can't. But now I'm actually afraid that a lot of our listeners who are all primarily school-based SLPs are going to jump ship. Um, <laughs> but um, it made me think of when you were talking about this, I would love to know what does a day look like? for you typically? Like how many patients, how lengthy of a session? Um, how often do you involve family? How much do you spend? How much time do you spend on paperwork? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it differs like a lot. I have a, a group, a memory group that I do, and it's once a week. So on days when I have memory groups, I have, I have, um, a lot of other duties at my job. So my day is a little different because I'm on diversity committee and I do a whole bunch of other cool things. But a typical day would be maybe about six patients. If I have a day I'm not doing group. Um, and I would have eval. My evals are not long. And I, I feel like this is, it may differ across outpatient settings. I've worked in places where they give you two hours for an eval. I've worked in places they give you three hours for an eval. I currently have one hour. So it's quick, right? I got to get know my stuff, get in, get out. But I know that if not, not all the stuff gets done in the assessment session, the eval session, and I can finish the next time, right? They're coming back. I'm making them want to come back. They're intrigued. They're curious. Like, what, what is she talking about? Oh, I kind of like what she said. I want to come back. Let me see what this, this lady can do for me, right? Um, and so I see a patient. Uh, it might be eval. It might be treat. Um, my documentation, actually, it could be shorter. I just am a perfectionist and want to get all the juicy stuff in. But I should, you should, I could write a note in 10 minutes. like if I would get out of my own way. <laughs> and part of my tricks, and this is what I, I shared recently on Instagram, was the patient is helping me write their note, their own note. Like I am literally doing point of service documentation, but I'm not that person where the computer laptop's right in front of me and it's like a barrier between me and the I hate that. And I'm looking down the whole time. I would just hate when doctors do that. So my laptop or my computer is off to the side. For those who can't see me, I'm like positioning. I'm like checking it you know, intermittently. And so I'm like, oh, tell me about how, you know, did you try the thing that we talked about? You know, or like when they're working on something and we come to a pause and I said, what did you think about that? What'd you like about that? Da, da, da. And then I'm typing, and then I'm coming back and then I'm typing. And at the end, I always give homework. So that's another thing. I'm literally saying, well, what do you think would be a good homework assignment? Well, I think I know the perfect homework assignment for you this week. I want you to blank, blank, blank. So it'll go something like that. And because 80% of my, 80% of the time recently it's been uh, memory. However, it, it's changing because I'm working a lot with auditory processing now too, which is a whole nother fun thing. Oh, nice. um, 
I will do a recap. I will literally turn my screen around and say, okay, this is what I have like that we did today. And, and what do you think about this? And here's your homework. And sometimes they'll take out their phone and take a screenshot because they're like, so remember good. my homework? I'm like, yes, I'm so glad you're doing that. Or they'll put in on their calendar, do Dana's homework or do speech <laughs> therapy. And I'm like, yep. That's such a great strategy. You're like right there. Okay. I don't think you need to come back. You have it on your calendar. Initiated use of external (laughs) memory independently. And so it becomes this very like fluid session, right? So by the time they walk out, my notes are pretty much done in a sense. I just got to go back in and like make it readable to the average person, but like I can read it. Yes. Um, this is, it actually is making me think of too, like, this is why I always wished I had tried high school. I tended to stay in preschool the majority of my career in the schools, but high school would be that same thing. It's that it's more like the life functional skills as there's getting ready to transition, um, into the world. And so I do, I think there's so much fun and flexibility there. Well, I think we had, so we worked in the largest district in Mesa and we're right in Arizona and we're right next to Arizona state university. So we did get a lot of, um, students from the university. And there were students that were like, I will never work with pediatrics. I only want to work adults. I was one of those and I never worked with adults after grad, but, you know, so I think that's always interesting back in my day, it wasn't required. Now a school internship is required, but that's exactly where we would put them is in high school. And we had some of those same students stay on to become high school SLPs, because I don't think they understood. First of all, they are many adults. Some are adults already. Um, but they, that whole dynamic of, I, I think when people think kids, they think of, you know, there's a little kid on my lap and maybe they're drooling on me and I've got to be like blowing bubbles and, and be Mary Poppins and be all, you know, excitable all the time. And that's not my personality. So I think they see that bridge there and, and how, even how you were talking about holistic, I think there is a lot of more yes. collaboration in high school, just due to the nature of how the classes are scheduled, how the services are provided um, versus sometimes in earlier grades, it can be a little bit more disconnected unless you're really jumping in there and trying to foster those connections. Yeah. Yeah. When I did my um, school in externships, I was in high school and elementary school. And I was like, I was like, I just, can I just do the high school? Like, no. <laughs> I've just always gravitate, even with kids, I gravitate towards the older kids. Cause it's like, they, they're giving me something back that I can work with. Right. Whereas sometimes I feel like the younger I go, it's like, okay, what do I do? (laughs) (laughs) I know I was going to say, it's the same thing though, because even when you were talking about those, like what, you know, kind of the, the way that you approach therapy, where you're talking to them about what it is they want to work on. And sometimes they bring something in. I'm seriously sitting there thinking, okay, this part, I got all that, but what do I do when um, like they throw this curveball and like, Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so it's so funny how, like, once you're in that kind of frame of frame mind. of mind, and you've got those skills and the strategies and those cues, and 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 you just can we're problem solvers. Yes. So I don't know why I think I can't translate that same ability I do with the younger kids. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You totally can, and a lot of it is like counseling, right? Like counseling is a huge part of our profession, and like you said, problem solving, being flexible, thinking on your feet, right? Like 
what happens if this doesn't work? Okay, I do something else, right? And I don't know if it's because some people are intimidated by adults or something like that, but you kind of- They know, (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. My four-year-olds did it. (laughs) So do you have to write a treatment? Like, I think this is maybe a big difference. Your treatment plans aren't for a year, I imagine. Are they short-term treatment plans? Yeah, I have a lot of flexibility um, with the length. And I'm at this point, I can pretty much gauge how many sessions I'll need with someone. So from like the first session, and I'll talk with them about it too, because I'll say, well, this is what I'm thinking. You know, I think we're only going to need about 12 sessions. You know, you come in every week or we, you know, twice a week or every other week and something like that. And I'll say, do you think you can handle that given your sketch? Some of them are working. Some of them are in school. Some of them are parents, right? Some of them may need telehealth. And so I really am like even considering all that when I'm coming up with the treatment plan with them collaborating on a treatment plan and so as we're goal setting we're talking about timelines expectation management do you think I'm gonna give you the memory of a 22 year old you know like do you think I'm going to make you the neatest most organized person you know your executive function skills you're gonna be I don't know assistant to some ambassador like expectation <laughs> Management is like a big thing too. Like realistically, what do you think? Even for non-injured brains. I was just going to say, <laughs> if you have to work with us in the future, you're going to be like, oh, that's cute. You think you're going to be clean now? Like, sorry, <laughs> told me what your hotel room in Austin looked like. Yeah. <laughs> so I love how you shared that um, tool for uh, memory. What are some tools you use to quickly then? Because you don't get a lot of time. So I think you do probably have to assess determine what you're working on and have those strategies handy. So what does that look like for like some of your patients that are having more language or word retrieval kind of issues? Um, Yeah. So if like I'll go for, I may even try, like if I have a few minutes left in the assessment, then I'll even like say, well, let's do a quick conversation, you know, or like I might do like a conversational sample or picture description. I might say, oh, you mind showing me some pictures in your phone and describe like what's happening and things like that. So when I literally tell you sometimes I have nothing, I have nothing. (laughs) Nothing. I'm using them. I'm saying, do they have their phone on them? Okay, that's one thing because their phone is our lives these days, right? Um, there's pictures in there, there's calendars in there, there's apps. I might even download a few apps with them and say, have you ever thought about um, using the dictionary app? You know, do you have that downloaded? Do you, is your accessibility features in your phone turned on so that when you're texting, text prediction is on? Do you know that you can talk into your phone and it can type what you're saying? And they might say, what? What? What do you mean? Can you show me before we do? We have time. And I say, sure. Let me, you know, help you set it up. And then you just try it, and then you, um, you can come back, or we can try it together, or something like that. And so, little things can go a long way, right? Sometimes people need support for a while, and they can fade it out. 
So they may be weary at first, like, am I always going to need to do this? Am I always going to have to do this this way? And I'll say, well, there's this thing called neuroplasticity. And maybe not. Maybe you'll need it. Maybe you won't. You know how sometimes people sprain their ankle and they need crutches, but then after a while, their ankle gets better and then they don't need the crutches anymore. And I'll say, oh, okay. And I'll say, I'm not making any promises, <laughs> but right? why not? Why not try? Will you try with me? And then they're excited. They're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll try. You telling that, even that story just now reminded me too, all of the comments in the chat about your energy. And we were all side texting each other too, because we were like in different rooms or offices. And oh my gosh, it's just like so infectious. Like I can, I imagine like how amazing you would be to work with. And I, I think it's that rapport piece that we forget that so often that that's the main thing is that they've got somebody who's listening to them, respects them as a human being. And that's even a five-year-old. Yeah. An adult or that translates to any patient you're working with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So those soft skills, right? Like using whether they're five or 50 or, you know, 85 or something like that. A person wants to feel like a person, Right. right? And so you allow that safe space. And I'll be honest that I feel like there are times where my patients might tell me things that they won't tell their doctor or they won't tell another provider or something like that. Not only because we're working on communication and sometimes self-advocacy and, you know, everything like speaking up for yourself, but just because hopefully our they know my office is a safe space, right? And so they can come in there and everything is connected to everything. And so if they want to talk to me about how they're frustrated about their pain level or, you know, oh, somebody cut me off on the way here or the pharmacy won't let me get my meds. Like I literally, my wheels are turning and I'm like, problem solving, inhibition, you know, like I'm literally doing that in my head and I'm like, oh, something to think about. I don't, I don't think I assess this, but maybe worth assessing. And then I might bring it up in a few sessions and say, do you, now that we've finished with these goals, do you think there's anything else we haven't covered that really matters to you? That's important. And I might bring it back up a few days ago, a few weeks ago, you mentioned blank, blank, blank. Does that happen a lot? And so you're like a detective, right? They were literally like detectives. How could you not love being a detective? <laughs> exactly right. That's the best part. Well, and I do love, I mean, I, um, the idea of how, I think in your, in your presentation, you touched upon that you can have different personalities as an SLP and creativity isn't just one vein of like, you have to be this extroverted person. It's what you can kind of do a self-analysis of how am I creative as a person? How am I creative as a clinician? How am I creative during the assessment phase, during uh, the treatment um, phase, during the, the data collection? It's kind of breaking that all apart and making sure that you're not just pigeonholing yourself into, well, that's not my personality. That's great. That sounds like that's real fun, but I'm not a fun person, <laughs> but I, it's not about being fun. It's about respecting your, your patients and letting them take the lead on things that are important to them, not you. Yes. And you know what? Um, I think there's value in being your true authentic self and also force it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And being okay if the patient doesn't like you. Not everybody likes my personality. You know, like some people what? are like, 
that I, where do they live? <laughs> Some people are like, no, I don't want to, you know, be happy today, but <laughs> no, like, I don't want to do that. No, leave me alone. Don't touch me. I don't, I'm only here because my wife made me be here or I can't wait to get out of here. I hope I that was Sarah in Austin this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was very happy. In Austin. <laughs> no, like, I have situations like that, you know, yeah. and I think that some people are scared of rejection, right? Because it's like, oh, the patient doesn't like me or something like that. Well, it's not, that's not your job. Like you're not trying to make friends. Yeah. Like <laughs> you're there to be their therapist and it's great if they see you, you know, as a likable person and stuff like that, but you can bring whatever personality you want to bring, you know, into the session and they'll respect you because you know your stuff because you know how to get them better. Right. I mean, would it, would I like if my car mechanic was bubbly and nice and <laughs> yeah, that would be pleasant. Right. Do I, I, need more, that? I care more about my brakes working and my, <laughs> and he can give me the middle finger on the way out. As long as I don't, as long as I can stop my car. Right? Brakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So, goes back to the whole thing about someone if they're out there and you're listening to this and they're saying can I work with adults like I'm introverted or I'm quiet or I'm this or I'm that yes because some of your patients are going to be that too you know and that's okay and to be honest nobody believes when I say this I am the most extroverted introvert you will ever meet like I am like this when I teach and when I, you know, talk about my passion, but that's because it's, I'm passionate about it and it ignites me, but I got about six jigsaw puzzles down here <laughs> and I really was just sip my wine and do jigsaw puzzles and literally not open my mouth for like 24 hours some days. And it's lovely. And I love it. I don't have to be around people a lot. I don't have to always be doing something. And so for me, it's kind of a good balance because I get to be like kind of extroverted at work and then come home and be like my introverted true self. So people I don't we give a lot during our work hours. You can't ever really be off. I mean, your, your kids, your patients need you to be on. So you're there. So I do think that we see that a lot in like, don't you always say too, like I can talk to everybody, but sure. sometimes, you know, but it's, it's exhausting. It's, it can yeah. be exhausting. Yeah. So you need those times to, it is not a natural, like does not come naturally for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I always think same thing. People never believe me that I'm such an introvert because I can do it, but it yes. exhausts me where I have to then take reset. time to reset and like mm-hmm. do a puzzle. I'm a puzzle person too. So I love that you said, yeah. you're my people. Yeah. <laughs> you're my people. Yes. Oh my gosh. I just think this is like, I hope super inspiring for people. And like, yeah. again, regardless of the setting, there's so many takeaways. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's pediatric yeah. or adult, you know? Absolutely. And I'll be honest with you guys. So I was not familiar with the SLP Summit. Don't hate me. Nope. <laughs> nope. But you wouldn't because it was primarily school-based slash pediatric. Yeah. Yeah, and so when I was, I was 
was like, sure, okay. You know, I really didn't know what I was signing myself up for. <laughs> and then it got announced. I started getting DMs. They're like, you're doing the summit. You're doing the SLP summit. Oh my God, I didn't know they had a dose of the SLP summit. I'm going to sign up for the SLP summit. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> what is going on here? And so I was like, okay, cool. And, you know, when I figured out that, oh, my audience is going to be, you know, a lot of school-based SOPs, a lot of pediatric SOPs. And I was like, what do I want to leave them with? Like, if I can leave them with anything. And I had a few, like, of course, PowerPoint objectives, but my true intentions were to, one, let them know that if you that somewhere along the way, right, you may have said, I think I kind of want to work with the dog. I'm not sure. Or maybe you were kind of like, I want to do it part-time or PRN or on the side or something like that. I don't want people not to work with adults because they're out of fear, because they're scared. That's what I don't want. It's okay if it's not your preference. Some people prefer kids, right? But I don't want anyone to ever make fear-based decisions, right? So that was like one thing that I really wanted people to to do is be empowered that they can try. People switch populations all the time. They switch settings. I'm not that kind of SLP that feels like, oh, well, you're a pediatric or you're school and that's just what you are and you can never change. Like, no, you can change whole careers these days. What makes people think that you can't change settings or populations? <laughs> like, like, I just don't believe that. I do believe that we have a um, obligation to take CEUs. If we, you know, are going to switch populations, shadow another SLP, um, take time to read up on the literature and things like that, and, and you know, hone our skills, technical skills. And I do think that some things are a big jump. I don't work a lot. Clearly, I don't work a lot with swallowing, trachs, vents, and stuff like that. I did once upon a time. I don't anymore. I don't feel like it would be hard for some people to switch to my type of job, right? Where I see that sometimes, but that's not a big part of what I do. I do a lot of auditory processing. I do a lot of COGCOM. I do language and motor speech. I feel like there is help out there to sharpen your skills in those areas and do so quickly. That's just my perspective, right? And so I wanted people to feel like that. I wanted people to feel um, that they were creative, you know, because everybody's creative. There's, we're just creative in different ways. I, when we were doing the group chat and people were coming up with those therapy ideas, those therapy activity ideas, I was like, yes, yes, yes. Why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think about that? It's because we're all unique. We bring different things to the table. Right. And so I want people to realize that it could creativity could come in the assessment phase. Somebody's having trouble with writing. And you say, oh, how about you write me a sticky note sometime? Right. Like right now, just write me a reminder for something. Let me see what that process is like for you. That's being creative. Right. Or you might say, let me send me a text message or write me an email, you know, for homework. I literally, some of my homework assignments are not worksheets and, you know, and drills and check out this app. 
I literally had someone write an Amazon review for a product that they purchased as a homework assignment, right? And it was something meaningful. It was something that they wanted to do, right? And it was something that was targeting the skills that we were working on. I had someone else start reading their devotional every morning, right? And so some days when they come in, we read their devotional together and we're still targeting their skills, but we're doing them in a meaningful way, right? And within an activity that has purpose for them, that's going to actually improve their quality of life. And so I hope that those were some of the messages that came across (laughs) in the SLP summit. I I definitely don't want to like make people switch. Like (laughs) (laughs) I am so charming and fun. And now no one works the school. Exactly. No, but it is. I was the person who was afraid. Absolutely. Coming from a place of fear. And this did give me that moment of, I can do this. That's amazing. yeah. Yeah. And so I do, I thought it like, I, we were so thrilled to try something new and to see and, and to see the interest and engagement from people. And anyway, it was, it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I want to continue the conversation on the podcast and, and that was just, per, it was perfect. So can you remind people again, where to find you as we're wrapping up this podcast, because you do a lot of fun stuff on your Instagram and share all of these creative ideas. So what are the best ways that they can follow you and find you? Yeah, so my website would be the first way. So www.vneurosLP.com. So that would be the first way. And on there, I of course have my digital products. So um I have a blog post, like blog posts as well. And I have like any announcements for courses that I'm doing, webinars. I try to put speaking engagements and keep it current. Um and I have so much more that I want to do with that website. (laughs) Like I really want it to be a hub, you know, a a resource um, that they can kind of go to, but that's the website. And then I'm also on Instagram at v.neuro.slp. Okay. That's my Instagram handle. And that has just been such a creative outlet for me to do fun reels and stories and IG lives and stuff. Especially your Instagram account. Yeah. It kind of came out of the pandemic. And it was uh even though I loved being alone because I'm an introvert, it still (laughs) gave creativity within the height of the pandemic. And so uh, I just wanted to present information to other SLPs in a relatable way, entertaining way, and make them see how practical some of this stuff is, right? Like sometimes it's as simple as me going to the Dollar Tree, you know, and getting a book or going to Goodwill and finding, you know, I don't know what he said or or something, I don't know, and saying, I could use this one day for therapy if I ever had a patient that liked this and liked that and had this issue, you know, or just having it handy. We were picking fun things from the Dollar Tree. I think I even got like hemorrhoid ointment and said, you can use this in therapy. How? Yeah. So you could like, we were just doing like fun stuff where like things that we talk about anything. You can do therapy with anything. We say this, we literally... We talked about this in one of our presentations when we were in Ghana, one of our last kind of placements we were in for um, at this at this uh, center, they had nothing, no, no materials, 
nothing. We didn't know anything about who we'd be working with, what we would be doing. And Lisa and I did therapy with the table we were standing at and a rubber glove I, ha glove I had in my pocket. Look, it was, it was the craziest experience because I'm the girl who's got all the materials. I'm a material yeah. hoarder. And so I, it was that moment where I thought you really can like do therapy with anything. Um, and so I, I, I think that's, what's so amazing. I love the ideas you share. It doesn't, you don't have to spend a ton of money. Mm -mm. Now they're bringing it in from their house or you're bringing it from your house or, or it's online. Like I have my computer. I walk out the door. I can just, I laugh sometimes because I used to be the one with the bag lady right? With all the binders and the books and the workbooks and the this and the that and the tongue. Like I had so much stuff that I was like, I'm never using this stuff. And my shoulder would hurt, my back would hurt and stuff. And now I walk out the door and I got my laptop and my lunchbox. And <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, I, at least I have the internet. We can literally do anything, you know, in therapy today because I have my laptop. And you so- Yes. YouTube is so great. Yes. You can pull anything from YouTube yep. to do therapy. Yes, you really can. I mean, there's so many skills. There's reading comprehension. There's um, problem solving. There's writing, typing. You know, there's so many skills involved with technology that sometimes all you need is a phone and a computer and, or nothing at all, you know, and you can walk outside and do therapy. Right. And so it's really cool, really cool to see. And so I just, I want people to allow the magic to happen. Right? Oh, I love that. That is like the perfect, I think, I mean, let's, we can't top that. I think we end on that note. Let the I, magic happen. Magic happen. Absolutely. We will definitely link to all of your resources in the show notes. If you have anything else that you want to send to include there, let us know. But this has been a magical moment. Thank yeah. you so much for your time today and sharing all of your wisdom and knowledge once again yes. with us. And inspiring us all. Whether we don't all leave the school setting, we're all going to like want to be better therapists. Absolutely. Absolutely. No matter what population you work with, no matter what setting you're in, right? You can take creativity with you wherever you go because creativity is within you. We're going to let the magic happen. Magic has <laughs> so much, Dana. We we certainly appreciate you. All right, you all take care. Thanks. All right, bye.